for everybody to get their phones and and uh, <laughs> just one of those evenings, right? So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we ask that you would just just help us to get settled, to remember to turn ringers off our phones. And it's just a day and age in which we live in. There's a lot of beeps and a lot of rings and and tones and all of this, but we want to be free from that right now. And um, and I know that we lead busy lives and in all of this. But Lord, for this next moment, uh, we want to just be focused on you. We want to be focused on your word and, and may your word impact our hearts in uh, drawing us closer to you and our devotion to you and, and how we walk with you. So Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together tonight. And uh, may our ears be open to hear from you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, Solomon, who's the human instrument that wrote uh, the book of Proverbs, at least most of it. He was the third king of Israel. And it's interesting, uh, I was looking at this today, of course, uh, when the children of Israel, 400 years before um, Solomon became the king, when they were coming into the promised land, even before they came in, the Lord knew that they would ask for a king. Uh, matter of fact, you know from First Samuel, when they came to Samuel at the end of the days of the judges, and they asked Samuel, we want to have a king. We want to be like the other nations. And Samuel was very grieved by that. And it was the Lord that said, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. And the reason that it was the Lord that said that to Samuel was because that he wanted to be their king. And that's what the name Israel means, governed by God. He wanted to govern them, but they wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted to have a a king rule over them. And even though the Lord told them of the consequences that would happen when they had a king ruling over them, they still wanted to be like the other nations. So in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, before they came into the promised land and got their inheritance, there are some guiding principles for when they did ask for a king. He says, when you come into the land, I'll read it to you in Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, that the Lord your God has given you to possess it and dwell in it. And I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. He knew that they would ask for that. This is what he is to do as you move on into Uh, verse 18. It shall be that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book from the one before the priests and Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe the words of the law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment uh, of the Lord, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom. And so the king, when he took the throne, and we know that Solomon being the third king, the first king was Saul. And Saul, even though he started out well, head and shoulders above all the others, he was one that was rejected of the Lord because he was one that did his own thing. He, he uh, was disobedient to the Lord. And so then the throne would pass to David. And of course, with David on the throne, a man after God's own heart, David was very much as we have seen the sweet psalmist of Israel as he wrote many of the psalms that we have recorded in the book of Psalms. And he was one that had such devotion for the Lord. And he was, of course, uh, as he penned those psalms that we have written, they're inspired by the Spirit 
Spirit of God, but he was so articulate in giving his praise to the Lord and devotion and trusting in him. And we very much learn from, you know, those Psalms of, of David. But then after David was Solomon, and Solomon was known for what? His wisdom. Uh, the Lord came to him and said, Solomon, uh, what shall I do for you? And Solomon said, I'm young. This is a great people that uh, I have to govern over. I don't know my going in and going out. So I asked for wisdom. And the Lord was blessed by that. And of course, Solomon was known for his great wisdom. Matter of fact, if you were here with us on Sunday, that you remember that Jesus said that, uh, you know, as the, the religious leaders and some of the people were testing him, asking for a sign. And, and Jesus said that no sign will be given to you except for the sign of Jonah. That is the sign of the resurrection. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a large fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And know this, that a greater than Solomon is here. Even though the Queen of Sheba rose up to hear the, the wisdom of Solomon, a greater than Solomon is here. You see, Solomon had the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And remember that in Colossians chapter 2, that we are told that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Jesus is uh, wisdom. He is knowledge. All the godly knowledge that, that we have is found in Christ. It is found in the word of God. So Solomon, even though he was known for his wisdom, is interesting. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, he was right. The, the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible, and the king was to do that and then to read it continually so he would not forget it. And what happened to Solomon? What happened to Solomon is he forgot the commandments of the Lord. And he did not finish well in his life. The one who was known for such wisdom, the one who prayed to the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom so I can live a life that pleases you and govern this people that you've allowed me to and do the ministry that you've called me to. And Solomon, over time, he forgot to do that. Because it's interesting in chapter 17, right before, as I read to this, that there was three things that the king was not to do. He was not to multiply gold. He was not to multiply wives. And he was not to multiply horses. What did Solomon do? He multiplied gold. He multiplied wives. And he multiplied horses. And you see, he neglected the word of God. And because of all those foreign wives that he married would then draw him into idolatry and burning incense to idols. I want to make this point. Listen, don't ever think that you can stop studying the word of God and it's going to be okay. We can never exhaust it. And I pray that as we continue going through the scriptures, you know, in this chapter, chapter 20, each verse is a proverb. And what my prayer is, is that there's going to be a verse or two verses or all the verses that are going to powerfully impact your heart here tonight. That we come with expectation, Lord, you're going to speak to me. So you're going to show me how I can be more devoted to you and how I can better walk with you. Because I was here listening to the word of God and that we would continue with the word of God. We wouldn't get lazy spiritually, that we would know that the word of God is going to increase our faith and mature us in the Lord. And it is good for us. So we don't forget 
what the Word of God has to say. In the book of Proverbs itself, you can never exhaust what the book of Proverbs declares to you and to me. So let's get into the book of Proverbs as we get into chapter 20, verse 1. A wine is a mocker and a strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now, isn't it interesting that the Bible tells you and me that wine is a mocker and a brawler? Not that it might be, not that it could be, but it is. And the Bible has a lot to say about being filled with wine, the warnings against it. And I understand that in our Christian liberty, that perhaps you might think that I can have, you know, a glass of wine, I can have a beer, you know, I do that. And especially with the uh, holiday season coming, as you gather with friends and with family and you have dinners and stuff, you're going to have a glass of wine, you're going to have a beer, whatever, guys. You feel like you have that liberty, but I just want to say, be careful. And that's what Proverbs is saying to us because we are told in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 that we are not to be filled with wine. You know, Paul writes to us and he says, listen, make sure that you walk circumspectly, that is carefully, and don't be unwise and redeem the time for the days that are evil. And he says, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you see, we don't want anything that's altering our minds to where we can't discern what is holy and unholy, what is clean, what is unclean. Just as it was um, there, Aaron, in the book of Leviticus, that was told that you, Aaron, and your two sons, make sure that when you go into the tabernacle, that you're not intoxicated with drink. That you can discern what is clean and unclean, what is holy, what is unholy. And you see, we want to be filled with the Spirit. And I know for me as a pastor, as an overseer, as 1 Timothy chapter 3 declares to me that I'm not to be given to wine. So I don't give myself to wine. I just won't do that. But in your liberty where you feel like you can do that and you can handle that, I just want to say be careful. Don't be filled with wine. Make sure that you're not led astray by it because I I know that uh, you know that alcohol destroys And it has destroyed so many families. It has destroyed so many marriages. It can be bad news. And we see it all the time, don't we? And some of you have experienced firsthand just the difficulties and the hurts and the destruction of alcohol or drugs in your life. And I'm sorry for that hurt. But the Lord, a loving Father, is saying, be careful It's a brawler, and make sure that you know that it's a mocker, and don't be led astray by it. That you know that drunk drivers account for half of the highway fatalities that are in our nation. And listen, I've done funerals for young people that were killed in accidents because alcohol was involved. And the destruction and the hurt is just overwhelming that over a third of murders in our nation, that alcohol is involved in that, and and heavy drinking is involved uh, in over a majority of violent crimes that take place. It can be bad news. So be careful and be wise is what I'm saying. You know, if you say, I'm not going to have wine, and here's the thing, for the life of me, I cannot understand that the hip thing in the church today, the relevant thing to be relevant in culture, is there some circles of Christianity that will have what is called pub theology. You know, let's go down to the pub and we'll all sit around and have Bible study and have a beer. 
And they want to be relevant to the culture. The problem is this, that there are some that go to that, they can't handle that. That they just, it's too much of a temptation. So why do it? And what happens is, is they go and they, they try to, to, to keep limited, you know, and going. But then they start thinking, well, if I can come here for Bible study, I can come here for other times. And I've heard testimony of those who said it was just bad news and I could not handle the temptation. Listen, Daniel and Daniel chapter one, that he was determined not to let himself be defiled by the king's food and the king's wine. And the Lord blessed him and the Lord used him powerfully. And I just want to say this, you be filled with the spirit because God wants to use you and me, all of us, in a wonderful way that we are filled with the spirit, that we can discern what is holy and unholy, what is clean, what is unclean. But don't be filled with wine and don't let it do destructive things in your life. Let's be wise in those things. In verse two, in the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion, whoever... um, provokes him to anger, sins against his own life. You know, the king had power over life and death. Now, when you read about Solomon's splendor of his kingdom, when he built his palace, he had six steps, as you read in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, six steps that went up to his throne. And then on each of the steps, on one side was six lions, on the other side was six lions, so 12 lions. And as you faced a king, he had the power over life and death. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, isn't he? And of course, as we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 12 on Sunday, that Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy. And then he says, here's the cure to hypocrisy. Because what happens when one plays the role, that's what hypocrisy means. The religious leaders playing the role. They were trying to be you know, religious and externally religious before the people, but their hearts were wrong before God. And Jesus said, listen, you know what? You don't fear man. What you do is you aren't to fear the one that can, you know, kill the body, but you fear the one that can kill the body and the soul. In other words, you fear God. He's the judge and we fear him. But he goes on to show us how God loves us so much that he watches us, that we're more important than the sparrows. And he knows everything about the sparrows. He even numbers the the hairs on our head. But we fear him because he has the power of life and death. He's given us life. He's the author of eternal life. But also he is the judge that will judge sin. And he is the one that, as Jesus said, all judgment has been given to me by my father. And so we want to fear the line of the tribe of Judah. We want to fear him and walk with him. And then verse 3, it's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Uh, you want to be a person, all of us, of honor. Avoid, you know, striving and causing controversy because anybody can, you know, start a quarrel. Anybody can. And remember that we've already been told in the book of Proverbs that a soft answer turns away wrath. That we're to be wise in our answer and conversing with others. And to be used of the Lord, we need to be ones that we're not quarreling with others. Matter of fact, some of the last words of Paul to Timothy, he tells Timothy that you be one that 
that you avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. This is chapter 2, verse 23 for you jotting down notes. But you avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do as well. So a servant of the Lord, listen, Timothy, and that includes you and that includes us, is to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. All it does is generate strife and must not quarrel, but be gentle all, be patient, able to teach. Just bringing out the word of God gently and lovingly to others and not looking for a quarrel, not looking for a fight, not looking for a dispute. And there are those that are out there that it seems like that's what they want to do, that they have the gift of quarreling and disputing. And that's what God has called them to do, they feel like. And, and I'll talk to them or they'll call me up or they'll email me. And I feel like I'm being set up in like a game of chess. They're setting the board and, and they want to dispute and they want to argue and they want to quarrel about things that really don't matter. There are things we know, the truth of God's word, essential doctrine that we stand on, of course. But we're not ones to be quarreling and looking to strive. Anybody can do that. Even a fool can do that is what the scripture says. So we want to be one that we gently and very patiently and lovingly we're bringing out the truth of God's word. And people generally don't listen to us when we're quarreling and striving and being harsh and all of this. But when we come with the right heart and attitude and say, listen, this is what God's word has to say. I want to give it to you, brother. I want to give it to you, sister. And I want you to think about it and pray it through because the Lord loves you. And his word is true, and this is for you. They're going to be a lot more open to it than if we just come blasting away double barrels, you know, just trying to cause strife and quarreling and arguing and all this other stuff that can happen in the body of Christ. And so we want to make sure that we're wise in the things that we say and led by the Lord. In verse 4, the lazy man will not plow because of winter, and he will beg during harvest and have nothing. Uh, remember, uh, we reap what we sow. And, and if we are sowing to the spirit of the spirit, we're going to reap to everlasting life. But I was thinking about this. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. Um, you know, we don't want to be lazy spiritually. We want to keep praying. We want to keep, you know, being in the word. We want to keep seeking the Lord. We want to keep being devoted to the Lord. And there are times as we go through different seasons that perhaps maybe somebody is here and you're in a season that is winter. It was Paul the Apostle that would say in Acts chapter 20, you know what manner of man I was in all seasons, that I held nothing back from you, but I went from house to house proclaiming the gospel. And Paul went through different seasons. And all of us, we go through seasons spiritually, don't we? There are times where it feels like spring or summer where there's growth in us and we're really, you know, on, on fire for the Lord and excited and, and uh, things are warm spiritually and growing and there's life. But there are other times where it can feel more like fall where the Lord says, I, I need to knock some leaves off of you, Jeff. And there's the winds that start to blow, the winds of adversity that comes, and maybe even winter where there's a coldness. almost feels like a deadness. But I have learned this, 
that whatever season that I'm in presently and spiritually, that I'm to keep sowing and I'm to keep praying even when I don't feel like it and keeping the word and keep trusting the Lord and being about the things of the Lord. And I know that as I do and as you do, that we're going to reap unto everlasting life. And if you are here and you're in a season where it feels cold in your heart, I want to encourage you because spring is going to come. But you got to keep sowing. You got to keep moving forward as hard as it is and the little steps that you can make. Keep calling out to the Lord. Keep looking to him. Keep in the word of God. Keep seeking him and crying out to him. And you're going to see that he's going to bless you. And then in verse 5, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You know, we draw out truth and wisdom from the word of God. And that's why it's important. Hey, when the king goes, make sure that he writes the word of God. And there's something about, I don't know about you, but with me, that I like to write things out because I remember them a lot easier. A lot easier if if I type it out. Some of the guys make fun of me because I still handwrite my notes. I've always done that. And the reason is, is because I like to write it out. I remember it. It does something. So the Lord was, you know, really given a good principle there of the king is to write it out and then to read it and to remember it. But it's not just up here. It's in our hearts as well. And so I encourage you, take those notes as you come to Bible study. As you do your devotions, you take those notes and you write it and then get it in your heart. And then, as we're going to see on Sunday, the Lord says that the Holy Spirit will recall what you should say and how you are to minister in that time that you need it. And the Lord will draw out from your heart those things, the truth of God's word, that's going to refresh others. It's like a deep well. You know, for refreshing water that is coming up for you to be used of the Lord when you need God's promises and word for yourself, but also to bring it out from others as well. I think that's one of the keys even of counseling is we point people to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. But even in conversing and counseling, you know, I'll listen and sometimes I'll say very little. I'll just ask them questions. Parents, this is what you do with your kids, don't you? When they do something wrong, for example, that you ask them, do you think that was right? And they'll start answering because a lot of times people know what the answer is and you can draw it out from them and just spend a little time with them and helping them understand what God's word has to say. And a lot of times people will come out with it and they'll answer their own questions. Uh, They'll begin to solve their own problems because you're drawing out from them the word of God that's already been placed in their hearts. And it's wonderful to be able to do that. So it's like a refreshing water, like a deep water, but a man of understanding is going to draw it out, not only for himself, but for others as well. And then in verse 6, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? You know, verse 6, as it says, uh, men will proclaim each his own goodness. It reminds me of the political process we just went through politicians you know they like to boast what they can do and they're going to be the best candidate and that's all part of it right that's just uh, the political process but for us as christians you see god is not just looking for people who are all talk and no action you know we hear a lot about you know i'm going to be a man and woman of faith and that's great and god is looking for men and women of faith But he's also looking for faithful men and women. Men and women that are just going to be faithful to him. 
and to serve him, to be used of him. And what my hope and prayer is, is that we wouldn't just go around boasting about, you know, ourselves, you know, as Christians, but people would really see it in our lives. You know, you've heard the the phrase that, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. You know, and how we live and our conduct and our daily business and how we talk and our behavior, all that. Are we being faithful men and women to God? Just desiring to please him with our lives and to walk closely with him. And it blesses the Lord so much. And he desires to help us to be, you know, ones that do that. So, you know, the uh, men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? I, I know that the Lord can find faithful men and women right here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. Just keep walking with him, being true to him, learning of him. And then verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. This is such an important verse. Parents underline this and, and grandparents. And I always tell kids that it's a blessing to have godly parents that they can pattern their life after. And the Lord looking for faithful men and women, looking for men and women who are going to walk in integrity, godly integrity and character. And integrity is doing what is right when no one is watching you. That's what integrity is. It's doing what is right in God's eyes when no one else is watching you. And as you and I, parents and grandparents, as we have influence to nieces or nephews or whoever it might be in the workplace and other family members, as you walk in integrity, you're going to have such a godly, positive effect on your children, on your grandchildren, to others in your life. It makes a huge difference. It will bless your kids. Because our kids watch us. And they learn from us. You know, one of the things, talking about, you know, uh, being filled with wine, one of the things that Sue and I chose to do is we wouldn't even do that in front of the kids because I didn't want the kids growing up thinking, I can't wait till I'm old so I can start drinking. And again, in our liberty, you might think we can do that. But we just wanted to walk in godly integrity in those things. And we want to talk to them about the things of the Lord when they do wrong and and deal with their hearts. But they need to see it in us, parents. I get parents that come here and they say, well, we're going to bring our kids because we want them to learn some religious things and morals and all of this. And that's great. We're going to do that. But what about you? Because if you go home and they're seeing a compromised life and a sinful and carnal life in us where we're not being faithful men and women, then what's going to happen is is they're going to get a mixed message. And they're going to learn from that. Parents, you have the greatest influence on your kids. So walk in godly integrity and character. And as you do, your kids are going to watch and grandkids or whoever it might be that's linked to you in your life. And you're going to have a godly effect on them. So a very important verse, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. In verse 8, a king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Solomon had great discernment and got to the heart of the matter. And the wise action and, and 
you know, good action that's uh, according to God's word is going to disperse evil in our lives. And who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. There's only one that can say that. And that's the person who has come to Jesus Christ. As he washes us clean by his blood. Because all of us have sinned. It isn't the one who, who says, oh, I'm a righteous person in and of myself. You see, that's what the religious leaders were thinking as we discuss on Sunday. They thought the external regulations and rituals and ceremonies and all of that was, you know, something that made them righteous. There's only one way that you and I can be cleansed from sin and that we can be righteous before God. And that is being imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ as we come and as we surrender our hearts to him. As we confess our sin, because Jesus took our sins upon himself and died on the cross. And then he rose from the grave three days later. You guys want a sign? Here's the sign, the sign of my resurrection. And that's what makes Christianity so unique. You know, I hope and pray that that's a message that we can give to our coworkers and, and family members that we gather with and friends over the holiday season. That the reason that Jesus came born as the babe of Bethlehem was to die for you and die for sinful humanity, to give us life, and that he has. And that's why we can truly rejoice at the coming of Jesus. And he is going to come again, the second time, in great power and glory when he comes, and we're going to return with him. And so may we be ones that, not full of pride, but humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need you. I need to be surrendered to you to be washed clean as I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, the verse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And we've seen this. We're going to continue to see these verses talking about how we deal with others, uh, that we're to deal honestly and justly with others and not be dishonest and try to take advantage of others. And even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Again, another important verse for us parents and grandparents. You can tell where a young person is headed with their deeds and actions. And we are to help them as they're doing wrong. And each one of our kids need to be disciplined and they need to be corrected just as we need it. Even today, you know, the Lord chastens us and corrects us. But we are to, as we see that they have certain tendencies that as they have, you know, attitudes that aren't right or actions that they're doing isn't right, that we're to correct them. We can see it in their lives. We can see when a child is growing up, when he's young, when he's a teenager, where he's headed with their deeds and with their actions and with their words. So help them. Don't just, ah, it's just the age they're in. Just a phase that they're going through. Correct them to get them on the right track. And that's so important for for us as parents to be able to do that, to bring that godly instruction and admonition to them as we are told in Ephesians chapter 6 to do that, to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. But don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Say it's just a phase that they're going through. Deal with their hearts and help them and correct them to get on the right track with the Lord. Talk with them. Set them down and, 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 and... You know, just talk to them about the things that they're doing and to tell them that, you know, if you continue, it's going to bring hurt in your life and it's not going to be good. And then as we continue here in in verse 12, that the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them uh, both. 
spiritually, we need to see and hear. We again talked a little bit about that as Jesus in Luke chapter 11 said that if you have a bad eye that is spiritually, then it affects your whole body. There's darkness that's there. I like Paul's prayer. I mentioned it on Sunday in Ephesians chapter 1 after he tells us all the spiritual blessings that we have in the heavenly that are ours as Christians being forgiven and we've been redeemed and we, you know, have an inheritance and we've been chosen, all the spiritual blessings. And then he breaks out in prayer for the church. And as he prays, he says that I pray that your eyes may be, you know, come to be enlightened in the understanding what is the hope of your calling, that is the hope of heaven, that you are the inheritance to God. That amazes me. But your eyes may be opened to understanding the truth of the blessings that you have in Christ and the hope of your calling that is heaven awaits us and that you are God's inheritance. Now we have God's inheritance, don't we? That we have the heavenly riches that will be ours. It's, it's so wonderful. He, he mentions that in chapter 1. But then he says, what is the inheritance of, of the Father, which is you? You and I are his inheritance. And I think, really? Because I feel so worthless at times. But the Lord says, you're so important to me that you're my inheritance. It's how much I love you and care for you. So here is, as we want to have our eyes open and our ears open spiritually to hear from him, to be able to see clearly. In verse 13, do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. Again, talking about opening up your eyes. And, you know, you sleep all day, you're going to be hungry at night. Talking about laziness. But then we like to apply it as well to our spiritual lives. And I want to remind us as we're going to be finishing the year and starting a new year that we don't want to go to sleep spiritually. We want to be watching, to be sober, to be vigilant because the Lord is coming. You know, keep watching. And, you know, be the faithful servant that's looking for the master's return because I come at a time that you do not know. And then we're to watch out for the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So over and over again, we are told in the New Testament to be watching, to be sober, you know, be vigilant. Don't go to sleep spiritually. This is not a time to be going to sleep spiritually. And as, you know, we continue to watch, you know, God is going to do so many things and show us so many things in our lives. And then in verse 14, it is good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he has gone his way, then he boasts garage sales, right? That's what it reminds me of. That thing's no good piece of junk. I'll give you a dime. Okay. And then you boast about it as you take it home. (laughs) Some of you go to garage sales, don't you? Verse 15, there is gold in the multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. We've already talked about, even David, as he would write, that the word of God is to be desired more than gold and fine gold, sweeter than honey in a honeycomb. What a precious thing to be able to speak with praising lips and with the word of God. What a precious jewel that it is. Able to speak truth and the love of the Lord to others and godly wisdom to others. I hope that you see that as something very precious because it is precious in the Lord's eyes and it's a blessing to others as well. And then in verse 16, take a garment, one who is a surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. And so talking about 
collateral, getting some collateral. In verse 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. And there may be pleasure for a time in deceit and sin. You may think that you got away with things, but the end of it is not going to be pleasant. And again, you know, Colossians chapter 2 tells us that don't, you know, be deceived. Don't be cheated by empty deceit. Don't think that if I do it the world's way or what, you know, people are telling me to, that's against God's word, that is not according to Christ, you're going to get cheated. And it's going to end up not being pleasant. It's going to be bad news. So we want to make sure that, again, we're being faithful to the Lord and how he tells us how we are to live and how we are to minister to others. And and you may be deceitful and getting gain, but after a while it tells us you're just going to be eating dirt is what you're going to do. In verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war, verse 18. So before we venture into anything, it's good to get counsel from the Word of God, and it's good to get wise counsel from, you know, godly, you know, friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that there's safety in a multitude of counsel, and then you, you know, do battle with, you know, with prayer. Because sometimes when you're doing something for the Lord and desiring to please the Lord, it's a battle, isn't it? And you can feel it. Oh, I want to do this. I want to step out in this. And it just feels like a battle because the enemy comes against us. So you wage war with prayer and and seeking God's word and getting uh, counsel. uh, And your plans will be established by that. In verse 19, he who goes about a tale bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters with his lips. Um, You know, be careful of the one who likes to flap their lips and tongue wag and talk about people and all of this. And what is interesting here is Proverbs is telling us that the person who gossips will at times use flattery. A person who uses flattery can be a gossiper. But I want us to remember this, that any person, because we live in a society that we like gossip and the juicy news and what's the latest news about this and that person in this situation. But whoever shares gossip with you, remember this, that ultimately will begin to spread gossip about you. If you're one that you're listening to a person who shares gossip with you, ultimately they will begin to spread gossip about you. So be careful. Be careful. It's something that all of us have to be on guard against. And whoever curses his father and his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And I understand that there are those who have been hurt by mom and dad, but we don't want to curse them. We want to pray for them. And we want to continue to pray for them. In verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Kind of interesting. When you work for something, you tend to appreciate it more. But, you know, there have been those who have gotten an inheritance and spent it right away hastily and and ended up being bad news and uh, not blessed at the end. We have the story of the prodigal son who ended up spending his inheritance. He went out and blew it all. But, you know, to to be ones that wise um, that what it is that we have and be good stewards of what we have. In verse 22, do not say it will recompense or that is repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. So we know that the scripture tells us that we overcome 
evil by doing good, not evil for evil, because it does not bring about God's righteousness and it does not help. It makes things worse. And we're to wait on him and trust in him. And as we call out to him, and even as, you know, in the Psalms, you remember as we went through the Psalms, David talked about that he wasn't going to, you know, repay evil with evil. That he was going to wait on the Lord. And Lord, you're my defense. You're my refuge. You're my strength. He was everything that David needed. And, and the Lord did defend David and helped him. And he will to us as well as we do what is right. Here's the key for us. That don't let others determine how you're going to react. Let the Lord determine. And when you've been done wrong, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil and overcome evil by doing good and waiting on him and letting him work. And then as we continue in verse 23, the verse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. And a man's steps are the Lord's. How then can a man understand his own way? And we may not always understand what the Lord is doing, but we can trust and rest in him, can't we? And we're not to lean on our own understanding, but in all that we go through, that we acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And sometimes the Lord is directing us as we make the plans, but the Lord directs the steps as we've already also seen in the book of Proverbs. That as we're stepping out day by day, step by step, we may not exactly know where the Lord has taken us. And a lot of times he'll take us in a direction that we weren't planning on, but we can trust in him that he wants the very best for us as we're traveling with him, as we journey with him. So look to him and, and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Remember Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. And then in verse 24, that we read, uh, verse 25, that is, it is a snare for a man to devote rashly something that's holy and afterwards to reconsider his vows. And of course, Jesus talked about, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to say any more than that. But sometimes what can happen is we, oh Lord, you know, and we have these rash promises and vows and oaths that we give to the Lord. And Lord, if you get me out of this jam, you know, I promise I'll read my Bible every day for an hour or, you know, I'll do this. And and we make these rash promises to God or vows to God. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And uh, we don't have to make those rash vows to the Lord. And here it says that, you know, it's a snare to a man to do that. And afterward to reconsider his vows. In verse 26, a wise king shifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. So dealing with the wicked in a just manner is what it's talking about. And the spirit of a man is the lamp, verse 27, of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. And again, talking about the spirit of a man, you know, what's inside your heart, that's the lamp. That's the lamp, you know, and he is the one that really knows the inner depths of our hearts. He's the only one that really does. And here's the good news that we're going to talk about a little bit on Sunday, but what's inside of you is going to be illuminated from you. It's going to come out and others are going to see it. It's going to be revealed. And he's going to talk about that. If you have hypocrisy, you don't want hypocrisy because that's going to be revealed. But if you're living for the Lord and loving the Lord, it's going to be revealed. It's going to come out from you. He knows the inner depths of the heart. 
And that's why it's important that we say, Lord, here's my heart, search me and try me like David did. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. In verse 28, mercy and truth preserve the king and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. That's something that Solomon's son did, son did not remember. And Solomon's son used, you know, hard, you know, tactics and strong armed everybody. And he lost 10 of the tribes as the nation split. And then verse 29, the glory of a young man is their strength and the splendor of the old man is their gray head. So young guys, you're strong, but we're wise as older guys. All right. So remember that. So and let's pass that wisdom down to the younger guys. Okay. Let's pass it down to them and bless them. And then verse 30, blows that hurt, cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Give people truth. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes truth hurts. But there's more hurt if we don't give them truth. Sometimes it feels like I, I don't want to hurt them in saying that. Have you ever felt that way? I'm sure that probably most of you, if not all of you, have. But we're to give the truth out of love. And it may seem like it's a blow to them. It hurts them, but they need to know, hey, brother, sister, because I care about you and because I love you, this is what I need to say. And hopefully it will help them and they'll receive it and be blessed by it. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your word. and. These Proverbs, so much that is here in just this one chapter. And again, I pray that we've been impacted by the word of God. That, Lord, that you uh, would help us to take your word and it be in our hearts. And that we would draw it out, being refreshed in ourselves and being directed. And then also being a blessing to others as well. So, Lord, thank you for tonight. And I thank you for this season of Christmas as Thanksgiving is now over and we're heading into December. And Lord, may we always keep Jesus the reason for this season. And we can get busy, and we do. There's shopping to be done and baking to be done and gatherings to go to and projects to finish up and all these other things. But Lord, as we gather with coworkers and with friends and with family, Lord, may we be ones that what comes from our hearts, illuminating your truth and that we're given light and blessing to others. And Lord, I thank you that Jesus came to this world, born as the babe of Bethlehem. But that's just the beginning of the story. Oh, in the fullness of time, the giving of the Son. To come and give us hope. As Jesus was born so that he could die for all of us on that cross for our sins. And we know that the only way to forgiveness of sin is that faith in Jesus Christ is not our own righteousness, but is, is the righteousness of Jesus loving us and taking our sins upon himself. And I just want to pray if there's anybody that's here tonight that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. It isn't going to be a church that saves you or sitting in a Bible study. It is surrender to Jesus Christ. And the things that we talked about here and, and living for the Lord and walking in godly integrity, you're not going to be able to do until you first come and give your life to Jesus, to be forgiven, to receive, um, Lord, uh, as you give them eternal life, the promise 
in right relationship with the Father. And have the Holy Spirit that comes into your heart to help you to live a life after Him. As the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, if you've never given your life to Jesus, will you do that right now? He is your salvation. There is none other. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. There's none other. It's not you. It's no one else. Only Jesus died for you and rose from the grave. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that means anything to anyone tonight, will you give your life to Jesus? And you can pray right where you are. Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose again and you're speaking to my heart. You're alive. And I come and I respond to the invitation to call upon your name to be my personal Lord and Savior. And forgive me and help me to know you and to walk with you as I surrender my life to you at this time. In Jesus' name. And if anybody prayed that prayer here tonight or if you're listening on live stream or on the radio later, that give us a call at the church or come up if you're here and just I want to pray with you and encourage you in any way that I can. Make sure that you have a Bible. But Lord, I thank you for tonight. I pray that you take us all home safely. We look forward to meeting again on Sunday. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?